you know, as a sophomore in high school, my mom told me that it was my fault that she lost the foster kids because I was at home watching them because she put a boiling pot of water on the stove and the baby pulled it down. But it was my fault. Yep. That's a lot. Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Ross, your host of Bear Crawl with Dads. So true confession, I'm completely leveraging this podcast for personal and selfish reasons. You see, not too long ago, I became a dad for the very first time, but with that, an older dad. So the one thing that I know so far is that this bear crawl as a dad is not meant to be done alone. We truly need each other. So may this podcast be that for you. So come along and let's bear crawl together. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in. And uh, tonight I have the honor of uh, having Lamar with Divine Dynasty K9 with me as my guest. Uh, hey, Lamar, thanks for being here. Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm, I'm glad. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, Lamar, I think, what has it been? Three years ish, maybe that we got yeah. introduced to you? Yeah, about three years now. Three years, man. What a journey. So, Lamar, let's bear crawl. Let's do that. So, being a new dad, being an older new dad, you know, the main focus of this podcast is just to talk to dads and see, like, what's it like out there? What's working for you? What's not working for you? But let me throw out a couple of stats at you to kind of get the cranks turning. According to the 2020 key fatherless household statistic, children of fatherless households are two times more likely to drop out of school. The infant mortality rates are two times higher in fatherless households. Adolescents from fatherless households are more likely to commit crimes. And children Mm -hmm. growing up without a father are two times as likely to commit suicide. I I hate to start off the... Our, our chat <laughs> dire with some dire stats, but I think all that to say is is just kind of to wake up our audience to right really the problem of father fathers either not showing up or fathers not being there, and hence the name of yeah. Bear Crawl is that we're just kind of I think there's a lot of weight on our shoulders as dads. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to, to first of all just ask you a question specifically, but what was your dad like, or what was your relationship like with him? So all those stats you just mentioned were probably about because I, I didn't, my dad grew up in what I would consider a father household. I had multiple stepdads growing up. Oh, wow. So I found myself kind of clinging to my friend's dads, kind of hanging out with my friends that I knew had good dads. And I would kind of tag along with them, kind of, you know, learn through osmosis kind of thing. I was really lucky because. Both of my stepdads were military, so I was brought up a military brat in a lot of places. But that being said, they were gone all the time because of the military. So I have this Marriott of uncles, you know, play-play dads is what I call them. (laughs) And mind you, I was lucky because I had good teachers, too. So my teachers kind of kept me focused when I wasn't near my family, and then my uncles and my Play play dads kind of kept me focused as to what I was supposed to be doing as a man. So I guess in your situation, is it is it kind of that adage of like it really takes a village? So it's like with you. It does. It does. Okay. I had to learn early that I had to take what I needed and leave what I did. Interesting. And that was kind of hard to decipher through. So like I, I had a lot of uncles 
I don't tell a lot of people this, but you know, I'm a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's dogs are my passion, my life. I've always taken care of dogs. I've had dogs since I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I had two uncles that fought dogs. So as a kid that loved dogs, you can kind of see where I was getting mixed messages <laughs> about what I was supposed to be doing with dogs. Those mixed messages kind of led me to, I knew I didn't want to do what they were doing, but I always took to take what I learned as far as the care of the dogs, because they took very good care of their dogs, but I had to leave behind doing the crazy stuff with dogs that they were doing. Another good example was I had a friend who, whose dad hunted deer every season. So with the hunting, I didn't have anybody to take me hunting as a kid. So when I was in high school, I had a friend who let me know that his dad hunted. So I started hanging out with them and they took me and he showed me all the hunting traditions. Like when you put the blood on your face after killing your first kill and, you know, I just did, would have not known anything about that world or that world existing had I not had my friend's dads around. So was there ever, I mean, not having like your father, did there Mm -hmm. ever come a time where you went down the wrong path or did you question, was there like, I don't know, just any kind of, because you really were seeking that out through, whether it's through uncles or friends. Right, right, right. Through that, was there any kind of anger or frustration? So So the answer to your question is yes. I did go astray for a little while. When I was in high school, I, my grades started to slack because I was out chasing girls and surfing because we were in Hawaii. So because my folks weren't really around, I was kind of taking care of myself. You know, my mom worked eight hour days because she was a beautician and my stepdad was deployed or in the field. So he wasn't at home. Okay. So, you know, I, I did. I started smoking weed and hanging out on the beach all day and skipping class. And you know, I had multiple girlfriends and, you know, who was it that, or was it just you, but was there somebody that really stepped into your life to say, to kind of just some truth to you to kind of snap you out of that? Or there, there was, there was. So a little story when I was 16, I gave my mom some money to ship my dog, my pit bull from Hawaii to the U.S. I gave her that money to ship my dog because I was going to get a scholarship from the ADBA, which is the kennel club that the pit bull was in Mm -hmm. so that I could go to school for veterinary medicine. Well, my mom spent my money on her dog and told me that I couldn't take my dog. So that prompted me to move out with my dog unannounced. So I guess you could say I was a runaway. How old are you? I was 16. So um, I kind of put my stepdad in a spot because when I ran away, it happened to be about the same time that they were leaving Hawaii. So pretty much he had to report in the United States or on the mainland for his new job Mm -hmm. and didn't have the time to look for me. You see? Wow. So I lived in Hawaii on my own for about a year. And in that time, my best friend's grandfather saw that we were hanging out all the time and they kind of asked my best friend what was going on. And he was telling him I was, I had a hard home life and me and my stepdad didn't get along and I moved out. And at the time I was sleeping on the beach and, you know, it didn't really affect my day because I could still go to school and 
go to the beach and nobody knew what was going on pretty much. And he finally sat us down one day and he said, you know, you guys really need to surround yourself with the people that are going to make you better as opposed to people who are going to bring you down. And he told us that if we really wanted to make it as young men in this world, we needed to find Jesus and we needed to get our stuff together pretty much because the way it was going, I moved in with another friend of mine in another place and helped pay rent. And then we found out that they were, we were getting evicted because they weren't paying the rent, things like that. So once that happened, me and Adams, my best friend, started going to church. And once we started going to church, one of the things that stuck to me the hardest in church when I was, we were listening to the word was I couldn't move forward until I forgave my parents. So that prompted me moving back to Oklahoma and trying to reconcile with my mother. But I made sure that I had an out because I also started processing for the military at the same time. And I I chose to go that route because I needed a slingshot. I needed something instant that would instantly put money in my pocket, something that I knew, felt comfortable with. And, you know, and I just had to process that all of that through my brain myself. And that's what I did. I joined the military. I bought my her first house before I turned 21. You know, I started really working on the man stuff. You know, I started promoting in the military real heavily. And I got a lot of mentors from the military because I was surrounded by guys then. I went on a deep dive of learning my first duty station. It was little things like I didn't know what tools were. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know the difference between nine sixteenths and half inch socket. You know what I mean? And my first job taught me that. My second job was in the Coast Guard. And as a young fireman, that's one of the things we had to go. You know, I had to learn how to tighten down metal. You know, you got to tighten metal caddy corner. You can't tighten it and tighten it down in a circle. It'll crack. Didn't know that. Little things. Yeah. Little things like that, that your dad teaches you in the shop when you're working on cars together. I didn't have those skills. So it was a little harder for me, but because I was eager to learn, I picked it up quickly. So really, I mean, just inside, I mean, everything happens for a reason, right? And, and, right. And everybody's story and journey is different, but that grandfather of your friend, I mean, if I may, it sounds like from what you're saying, tell me if I'm wrong, but that really was kind of a little bit of a pivot, major pivot for you. Oh, it, it had to be, you know, it, it had to be because I was hungry. <laughs> hungry, like literally or hungry? Both, li- literally and figuratively. I was hungry because I was homeless, mm-hmm. you know, and then I was hungry figuratively because for some reason I had this urge that I needed to have everything together before I could move forward. Mm-hmm. And I haven't quite figured out yet, even at this point in time, where that comes from. Mm-hmm. But I also know that not everybody has it. Not everybody has the drive to want to move forward constantly. Mm-hmm. And then I also think that sometimes my wanting to move forward is a not a good thing because I tend to rush things, try to get ahead. Like I said, I bought my first house before I was 21. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things at 21. I'm sure people are saying I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> right. I didn't buy a house. <laughs> 
you know, but I just, I just got, I got lucky. I knew nothing about credit. I knew nothing about nothing. And I had to kind of figure it out on my own. Didn't know how to budget, did not how to write a check. These are all things that my pseudo dad or pseudo families had taught me, you know, because they're like, Lamar, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm trying to figure it out through time. It's like, I've had so many people sit me down and show me one thing. And that one thing can take me, takes you pretty far if you're willing to listen, Mm -hmm. because one thing can always catalyst to another. So you've really had so many people who just basically put like a mold of clay, just have left their imprint on you. Right. And what's, what's cool is, is I still, I'm still in touch with a lot of those people. Well, I was going to actually, it's interesting you said that, like Adam, right? The the, the grandfather of Adam. Yeah. Do you still talk to Adam? I still talk to Adam. I don't talk to his grandfather, but his grandfather still asks about me because he knows me and Adam still talk. Did the grandfather know like how, what he said? Yeah. Yeah. We, Adam's talked about it with him. I've talked about it with him. He's kind of the one, you know, every now and then I'll even ask Adam to ask his grandpa what he thinks. That's cool. You know, yeah, because his grandpa, so Adam's grandpa was his step grandpa, but raised Adam. Gotcha. And then when him and his grandma divorced, he stayed in Adam's life. So okay. he would still pick Adam up on a weekend, uh, hang okay. out with him during the week, help him with his homework. There was times we would take the bus to his grandpa's house and just stay the weekend. And he was a hardcore ex-Marine that made us get up and made us stay clean, made us go to the gym, <laughs> made us eat clean, you know. <laughs> that, that's awesome. All, all that all that good stuff. But Everybody. he just put our Yeah, he put our energy somewhere. There was a time me and Adam had a lot of negative energy. He pretty much taught us how to control it. Did you have, do you have, I mean, if you don't want me asking, do you have any connection with your dad, your real dad? So I know who he is. I know where he is. And I know we know of each other, you know, but no, I don't really talk to him. I always stayed away from him because he's been in and out of jail. I met him a couple of times when I was younger and he's just not the the type of person that I was raised to be around. So I stay away from that being said, I don't see my sister because she's involved with my dad and they got all kind of got the same thing going on. You know, I always tell everybody, you you may not have the dad you want, but a lot of times you get the dad you need. Amen. And thank you for all that, Lamar. That's awesome stuff. And maybe somebody out there that's listening, you know, can really resonate to that and just a testimony to you and your life choices and how many people have stepped into your life and, and really poured their time and interest in you. You know, with that, what's been the best advice that either a stepdad or a mentor when you were young, and maybe it was the grandfather of Adam, but is there something that best advice that somebody's given you from that father role or position? I would actually have to say as far as that kind of advice, the best advice I've always got has been from women. A lot of guys, I feel, don't take to heart what women are telling them. So because my mom was a beautician, I Mm -hmm. saw women being treated badly a lot. Mm. And I always heard them complain about what the other guy or the guy was doing. And it all seemed very simple stuff that you wouldn't think about, you know what I mean? A guy wouldn't think about. And that made it so that, how can I put it? I could take a guy's advice, 
but I want to hear the woman's side of that as well. It's just because as a guy, I can be very straightforward and narrow-minded, whereas women are all over the place all the time. So you can get four or five different answers and they can look at something from outside themselves. You know, a lot of people say, well, Lamar, you don't have a lot of guy friends. That's not on purpose. The guy friends I do have, though, all adore women and all adore their mothers. Yeah. You know, Adam is the biggest. He loves his mom to death. I love his mom to death. (laughs) And it's just, and it's just, it's just because they've always been there. You know, when I was homeless, they made sure I had Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. You know, she always made sure that I at least, whenever she would see me, here's $5, get you something to eat. They had too many people living in their house for me to live with them, but they helped as much as they could. It's interesting though, but even at such a young age, that you're, so your mom was a beautician and, and you yeah. know, I, I can't think of a better position of influence or a counselor, if you will, than a, <laughs> right. Right. A hairstylist or a beautician because you hear people's problems and can, they just open up and your, your mom, right. who knows how much influence or power she had as far as this really poured into people's lives and, or just listening, yeah, you know, right. being, a, being a counselor. So I guess what you're saying is a byproduct of your mom's position. I guess you kind of were there a lot at her shop. Yeah. So, so my mom did foster care. So it was my job to babysit while she did hair. Wow. You see, so that's why I'm so good with kids because I always had five or six kids on a daily basis that I would be babysitting while doing my homework. So you were, in essence, you were fathering to some degree. Yes. Practicing to these foster children. To the foster kids. Yes. Wow. Well, this says so much about your mom and her heart. It does and it doesn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe that's another another interview. That's another. That's a whole yeah. other. <laughs> we'll um, see that one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fascinating, though, to, to see from that perspective. I like that, though, that, that you could learn as a man maybe how to treat women through the lens of your mom's shop. Right. And yeah. Hear them talk about it, maybe like almost making kind of middle notes of not to do this, maybe to do this. It, it's never let me down, Ross. Wow. Yeah. It's never let me down. That's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And I can't necessarily say that I'm, I'm the same way, but, but I guess having two older sisters, you know, of just seeing some of their journeys, whether through, through dating or something like that, you know, again, to kind of take some middle notes as well of uh, right. how to, how to treat a woman or something like that. Okay. With that being said, you're a father of two. Yes. And transitioning and kind of focusing on you, Lamar is a dad. Uh-huh. What would you say your greatest challenge? And I know that's it's kind of a big question, or uh, but what's your greatest challenge for you, Lamar, as a dad? Right now, my greatest challenge is understanding all the new sexualities there are with children <laughs> nowadays. Okay. okay. For instance, me right now, me and my youngest are in kind of a debate because she says she has a friend that's non-binary. And I'm like, well, what I, don't that? I, I, don't know if I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> What's that? And she said, well, she doesn't identify as a boy or a girl. And I said, well, oh, can she have a baby physically or can't she? 
<laughs> and her so, response? So apparently, apparently, that wasn't a good question to ask. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm making notes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to learn through you. So I, I told her that I need her to try to teach me how to do it. So apparently, anytime you introduce yourself to somebody, you're supposed to also let them know your pronouns. Are you, are you saying that's what you are supposed to do or that's at this eight, your daughter's age? That's what you're supposed to do just as a general person. When you introduce yourself to somebody, you should say what your pronouns are at the same time. Really? That's what I said. <laughs> I said, okay. well, okay. I said, that's a lot of work, you know? So we're in this, we're in a pretty heated debate right now. We go, because I only get her every other weekend, you know, the debate is kind of chopped up, but it always ends up boiling back to why can't people just be happy with who they are? I said, I, there's nothing wrong with being gay, but be gay as a feminine boy or a masculine girl or, you know, a feminine girl who likes girls. You don't have to change your gender. But, but you know, I mean, the more than just a gender conversation, though, but, but your greatest challenge is it just you're kind of almost being impacted by what's happening to your children. Right. Okay. Right. Right. I'm being impacted because my children are telling me that I'm wrong and archaic. So it's, so it's a the dad, how, how do you parent a child that's being influenced by so many outside factors but here right. here's here's what i hold true as your father and right. my principles right and maybe how that collides with what your daughters or maybe you're experiencing okay because like so i'll tell you right now me and asia are thinking that my youngest might be gay she might be she likes girls okay i'm cool with that that's okay but i don't need you telling me you're a boy now you catching me you can be a masculine girl there's nothing uh, wrong with it you there's nothing wrong with that you see i'm trying to she hasn't really opened up and told me she is yet mm -hmm. but i'm trying to let her know there's nothing wrong with it if you are because you know the word you know I've, I've done what i'm supposed to i've taught you what you're supposed to know and if you really feel that way it's not for me to judge but you know what's out there. You know what's supposed to be going on. You know, at the age of 13, they start making their own choices really about that. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, so when I started, I kind of know that she's leaning that way, but I want her to, if she's going to lean that way, lean that way all the way and not be ashamed of who and what she is. Mm. You see? feel like anytime they're trying to change their gender and stuff like that is because they have some kind of shame about what they are. So it's almost like if I acknowledge that I'm attracted to the same sex <laughs> to justify it a little bit, I n now maybe need to to now identify in your uh, in your situation, obviously having a daughter, if, right. uh, if she's attracted to another female to justify it or to be okay with it, then I'm going to now identify as a boy. Right. Is that a fair assessment. That's a very fair assessment. Okay, interesting. So that's, and, that's, and, and I, I want her to know that she doesn't have to be a boy for that. 
You well, it, 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 but I would, but I would imagine like whether it's it's gender gender identity or confusion or what whatever that is, I would I would imagine for your daughter to feel safe and comfortable talking to you. You laid a foundation years ago, yes. maybe that just a spirit of openness and I've got you and oh yes, part of why we do dog shows. There are very successful gay people at dog shows. Mm-hmm. Most of them are the richest people there. She really didn't realize it until Houston this year. So she didn't realize that there were that many LGBTQ people at the dog show. Okay. And she didn't realize that her dad was friends with so many. I think it really, she had a sense of relief when she realized that we are friends with so many because her mom's family is totally against it. You see, they're really heavy. They're the assembly of God. That's what they do. Okay. Okay. AOG a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing dads today? Like in general, I mean, I know you talked a little bit, obviously a minute Um, ago about what you're facing with your daughter, but with your dog shows, you interact with so many people, mm -hmm. but what do you think is the biggest challenge overall in our society being a dad? being a dad, it's a couple things for me. One, it's it's mental health for men, period. Mm. And then on the flip side of that, it's being allowed to parent your child the way you need to. Because every child's different. You know, some, sometimes you have to be tougher on a kid and you're not allowed to be nowadays. Why? Spanking is a good example. You know, some kids need that. I was spanked as a child. I'm glad I was spanked as a child. The things I was spanked for, I could count on one hand, but I needed each one of those weapons. But nowadays, my mom would have went to jail for giving them to me. Mm. You see, you know, I'm responsible for everything they do until they're 18, but I can't physically sit my child down if they're trying to walk out the door. I can go to jail for assault. You know, you have two daughters and they're different, right? And, I, I and hear they're that. different. And right. I hear from so many parents, like, how do I have coming out of the same mom? So such right. two different kids, right? And so what works right. one child is going to be different from another child. Like another with me, child. Right. I did get spanked and I, it didn't really affect me because it actually made me more, <laughs> I dug at <laughs> my, he- I dug at my heels a little bit more. I was like, really? Right. Well, hit right. me harder versus right. you can lay the guilt on me and I would fold. Like if I, right. when my parents said, I'm so disappointed in you, I would, I would break. Like, right. You got See, me. I'm not, I'm not a big spanker, but I'm a big popper. I got popped for talking back a lot. I feel like my girls need that. You know, that talking mm-hmm. back when you're told to do something or the huffing when you're told to do something or outright ignoring you when you tell them to do something. Mm-hmm. How do you punish that? If you can't punish your child. I know. <laughs> and they. I tell everybody, every brain is the same. Every brain runs on positive and negative. If I do this, something positive or something negative will happen. Okay. And I feel like a lot of these kids, the reason why they have so many issues is because they are sugarcoating the negative too much. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to handle negative stimulus. Mm -hmm. So when they get negative stimulus they break down they feel like their whole world's destroyed like you took every and it shouldn't be that big of an emotional reaction mm-hmm. but it is because they're not used to it right it's akin to training a dog with an e-collar 
If you've never put an e-collar on a dog and you put it on them when they're four years old and you pop it, it's going to freak out mm-hmm. and it's going to have an overly big reaction to the e-collar. Whereas if you work them from the time that they're puppies and you take your time, you can hit them with the highest level and they're fine. They can manage the David stress exposed. from that. Right, right. So I'm finding that what we've done is we've taken away so much negative stimulus from our kids that they're not exposed. So when they are corrected, they freak out. Well, I mean, adverse reaction to it. It may be, <laughs> yeah, it may be the parents are trying so hard. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be another topic for another day. But as far as parents right. or dads trying to be, or parents trying to be, you know, best friends with their child and with their child. It, right. I, right. And maybe that's, that's something bigger, deeper, say more about parenting. Like, yeah. I, I need that affirmation. Well, and, and well I so, so I feel like from my generation, the parents are trying not to do what their parents did to them because they felt like they were abused. Exactly. exactly. When in actuality, they weren't abused, but their parents gave them more without making them work for it. And, and like, like I said, introducing them to the stimulus. What do you see like across the landscape of in our culture right now in our society, but what's the biggest challenge to dads out there? And may this be a word of encouragement to the dads that are listening? Yeah. So I really believe that dads are having the most trouble with mental health and being able to police their children appropriately for their child. As, as far as mental health goes, there's just so many dads that were raised without dads mm-hmm. that they just have so much in their past that they have to unpack before they can really be 100% to love their children the way that they want to love their children. I find that a lot of dads are really frustrated by that, but I have noticed a lot of good things with the dads that I've that have found psychologists and go to monthly or weekly um, appointments to unpack their own stuff. Wow. That's really fascinating because, yeah. and how many though, and, and again, I'm not trying to like stereotype dads out there, but you know, right. how many dads would really sit there and be honest with themselves and say, Hey, acknowledge, uh, I've got some personal stuff I've got to deal with and I need to get over maybe my, or just how do I not, not discriminate, but how do I, um, get over that, that labeling or acknowledging that I've got some kind of mental thing or something in my past that I need to get over and humble yeah. myself to go seek help to get that. Because I do feel like, and I've always said this, I feel like we're all kind of walking wounded from our middle school years. <laughs> you know, we're just, as adults, we're just kind of grown up middle schoolers and we're just, yeah. and are we living vicariously through our kids or because of our brokenness, are we trying to get that affirmation and approval from our children, i.e. being best friends with them? And if I really have to, you know, come down hard on my children or really draw a line in the sand, am I going to turn them off and make them mad at me? But I need their approval. But, but you know, I think it's all of the above, Ross. Fair enough. I really, I really do. The reason why I say that is because it's going to be different for everybody. That's the reason why I say getting a good handle on where you are mentally, taking care of yourself first. I think that goes a long way into being a good dad because then you can fairly help them with their emotions as well. 
as far as dads coming out of their shell for that, I think we as dads in general just need to be better friends. Sometimes you need to hear from a friend that you need to straighten your shit up because you'll argue with your wife, but you're not going to argue with your friend if your friend comes to you concerned and tells you the truth. So you're saying, I mean, maybe identify or acknowledge possibly that you need maybe a, not a counselor, but, but somebody to work with you to get over any baggage that you're it can be, it bringing can be, to yeah. the table, but also to yeah. maybe with that, having a band of brothers, if you will, some guys right. that are going to speak some truth to you that are going to walk kind of through life with you, do life with you. Right. So that's one of the things. So like Adam always tells me the truth. If I call him, excuse my language, but bitching about Asia, mm-hmm. he doesn't tell me, well, man, you can go get another girl. Don't worry. There's plenty of fish. He doesn't tell me that. Mm-hmm. He, he tells me, look, man, you're being stupid. Y'all been together this long. <laughs> you did something stupid. <laughs> you need to suck that up and go apologize to her. <laughs> That's so good, though, man. That's so good. Because I'm Point being, I went to go see some really good friends of mine a long time ago before I got married up in Arkansas. And uh, they had their once a month, you know, social with the husband and wives, right? So all right. the women were in the kitchen just chatting up a storm, talking, laughing. All the guys were in the den. And it was kind of generally this like awkward silence, you know, and then it was kind of like right. nervous, nervous laughter. Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's watch golf, you know? So it, you yeah, know, right. <laughs> to force a bunch of guys in a room to sit there and chat while the girls were in, ladies were in there just laughing and connecting, you know? So it, it's hard, I think, for us to reach out to other Each guys other. And, and, and yeah. put yourself in a position to be able to share, you know, and maybe it's through the act of doing something together. Like, hey, Lamar, let's go on a road trip because we're going to go hunting this weekend. Well, through that act of doing that and that bonding of doing something together, you know, we might open up. We might share right. by doing an activity as opposed to let's sit in a room and have coffee and let's like, you know, Lamar, tell me how you're feeling. I agree that we do need uh, brothers and, and, and buddies to walk through to bear crawl, if you will, yeah. side beside each other. But it's it's hard sometimes to jumpstart that, to get that going, maybe. It is. But it's so important. No, it, it is because we don't think about it. We've gotten so used to school and work and places like that doing it for us. We don't just naturally do it anymore. Right. And when I say school and work, that, you know, you always had sports that kind of naturally did that, hanging out with your buddies, playing football, blah, blah, blah. But as adults, right. But as adults, they never made it normal for guys to just talk to guys. And I think that's where it's got to start. It's got to become normal for people to talk to each other again. Mm-hmm. It's only gotten harder since the cell phone game ground yeah. now we don't have to talk to each other at all well how do you make like as a as a dad uh-huh. you know, i know you've got you've mentioned adam but uh-huh. like so, so dad's out there you know how do you what would you recommend how do they make that happen how well, do they just got it's just it's just like it's just like anything else you gotta find guys with like interests okay and then you gotta be the guy that's gonna be the grown-up nothing i've said isn't anything that any everybody wants you know, it's just one person's got to make it up in their head to be a grown up and start a conversation. So it really does take somebody to initiate. Yeah. 
but initiating through a common interest. Yeah. Hey, I know on common interest, right? Hey, Lamar, though you love to hog hunt, right? So let's go hog hunting together, right? No, I'm never going to ask you that, but uh, <laughs> I know, but you have asked me that. You just want to wait till Ford's old enough. <laughs> yeah, but part of this, you know, it, this is a selfish game too with the show is to glean insight from different guests and, and, and kind of get in their head as I am. Like I said, I'm, I'm an older new dad, you know? Yeah. And so, so not only how can I grow and, and be a better dad to, to such a young man, but also to how can I connect with other dads as well? And, and from what I'm hearing from you to re- kind of recap a little bit is what does it look, reflect on who has really spoke some words or truth into me and I think maybe thank them, but how can I pay that forward and yeah. look for ways to impact somebody else, uh, another right. young dad or another uh, guy that's you know battling out there, but also too, yeah. to be better husbands to our partners, look for a band of brothers that will be completely honest with you. Like everybody sounds like everybody needs an atom in their life. Like that, that, right. atom, that atom is to you. That's invaluable um, because that makes us better. But for guys out there, maybe who are really, because I really do feel like there's a lot of guys, I think men maybe generally are pretty lonely. They and are. We don't want to yeah. acknowledge it. We hide behind right. a, a tough shield or a tough, you know. Uh, That's part of that mental health thing. Besides. Yeah, and, 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 and that sh- that shows weakness if we have to reveal um, that we need reveal that we need help or or that there's a part of it that's broken. But there's beauty in connecting with maybe a guy that knows what we're going through, or it's really healing to the soul. And you, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, I remember when I had some panic attacks, and I tend to bottle things up. I don't want people to to see that I'm going through something. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, you know. Right. Um, but really, maybe inside, I'm like, I'm not. You know, but I don't want right. to, I don't want to reveal that. But when I had my uh, my panic attacks, I really kind of got to a place where I don't know what else to do. And a friend mentioned, "Hey, you should probably go see a counselor." And I remember again, right. that's for weak people. Uh, I'm not weak. You know, I'm stronger than this. That's a big sign of weakness, basically. But when I had my second or third round of panic attacks, I was like, "Okay, you got me. I'm broken, man. I'm at mercy." Right. You know. And so I, I did. I reached out to a counselor where I was living at the time, and it was really powerful just to have somebody who didn't really know me to hear my story and just say, hey. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I just kind of needed that pivot. I see. I can say that my my first psychologist probably is the one that saved me because I had a mental break when I was at the Coast Guard. I ended up hitting my superior with a chair. I just lost it. He came, he said something out of his mouth to me. I didn't realize what happened before I knew it. I hit him with the chair and I had it in his throat and the guys were pulling me off of him. At that point, they sent me out for psychic now. And one of the things I noticed I was doing is with my ex-wife. My ex-wife had a really bad habit of down-talking me to the people I worked with. And I didn't give her a reason to do that. She was just being a, a crappy person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to, to be true, she was probably just banging everybody else <laughs> that was around. As that was happening, when I had my mental break over it all, finally, I noticed that I was just taking stuff in and letting people take from me. 
So I wasn't defending myself because I, I felt like I was in this never ending learning cycle because I was trying to pick up so much. I was trying to be perfect, trying to make sure, you know, my bills were paid. My wife had everything she wanted. My work was done and I was still trying to promote at work and getting deployed. And, you know, it was just, a, it was a lot. And it took the stranger asking me the right questions mm -hmm. and then telling me I wasn't crazy. And then after she told me I wasn't crazy, she informed me that what I was going through was abuse. And as a man to hear that you're being abused, that's something that you never <laughs> even think of, mm. you know, cause I'm thinking I, everything's fine. I'm working. I've got to get paid twice a month. I've got a good job. We got benefits. You got a house. We're in a good school district. We got some dogs, you know, but mentally she was tearing me down. Mm. And men don't get the opportunity to say that my whole wife is tearing me down. So it goes a long, a long way. Having that psychologist, that sounding board, somebody who's completely indifferent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to help you process. And if you think about it, anything complicated, you do that anywhere. You have a team, break it down and process it. Everybody's got to get out of the team of me. <laughs> well, it, it's okay. And Lane, like you, with that person who, who kind of said, it, you're normal. You know, that's exactly right. what the person spoke to my life was, uh, the counselor. He was like, what you're going through is completely normal. And when I yeah. heard that, I was like, kinda, right. it really was like this cold, you know, splash of water in my face, kind of waking me up. Like, okay, I needed to hear that. I just needed, right. and it really, I mean, it was kind of life-giving um, and it really kind of Snap me out of it because yeah, I just really thought I was going kind of going crazy. I'm like, what's happening? Right. <laughs> because up up to that point too, I mean, blessed with you know, not even any, I didn't have any health issues, and then here my body right. freaking out, and I didn't know what was happening. So same have, thing. Same thing was going. I couldn't even pour a glass of milk without my hand shaking so bad that the milk was all over the table. Gosh, isn't that crazy? And when I think about it, I was a sophomore in high school when that was happening. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the pressure that a sophomore had, mm -hmm. the time I was going through a lot, you know, as a sophomore in high school, my mom told me that it was my fault that she lost the foster kids because I was at home watching them because she put a boiling pot of water on the stove and the baby pulled it down. Oh. But it was my fault. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> my mother made me walk two miles home one time. Because I told her that I didn't think her and my stepdad needed to be foster kids because I was already done raising kids because I pretty much raised my little brother. Mm. And my little brother's a pill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? Well, say for you sharing that, you know, you were going through that pre-social media. Like I just came yeah. to imagine what our kids are yeah. going through now. Yeah. Just multiply right. that by exponentially. That's and, and, they, and, and their little brains can't handle it. Not at all. And, and then it, it's hard being a dad, especially a dad who's divorced to their mom. I had a rule that they weren't going to get cell phones till they were 16. Mm. If they got cell phones, they were going to be simple cell phones. Well, of course, because she wants to be better than me, she gets on the cell phone at 10 years old, a smartphone. 
Yeah. So we've been fighting that. And now she's kind of wondering why they're into all the stuff they're into. It's because you let them. Yeah. You open up. You're not being a parent. You know, I had them focused on dog shows, their schoolwork. They were in band. I was trying to keep them so busy that the other stuff didn't have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to creep in. And she wants to give the, gives them way too much idle time. So that idle time is when that stuff is creeping in. Mm-hmm. They get exposed yeah. to it. And they get exposed to it. Right. But I, she doesn't want to hear that from me. And if I tell her that, then she's going to go do the opposite because she's my ex and that's what she does. Right. It, it's hard. It really is. It's hard. But, you know, all I can do is make sure that they know I'm here. You know, being right. and present in their life. And yeah. right. that's the reason why we, why we don't move. I could make a lot more money anywhere mm-hmm. else, you know, but I got to be here because they have to have something stable or they're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. If they have nothing but their mother to depend on. They're not going to make it as citizens. Well, what a gift you are to them. Oh, I love my kids to death. They're a gift to me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cause I did. To, for some, for me to love something that I did as much as I do that I didn't want. I'm glad I had them. Right. Everything we went through, I'm glad I still had them because my kids are far ahead, I think, of most kids their age. But at the same time, they're really far behind because they're so naive to a lot of stuff. I think that's probably par for the course for a lot of kids out there. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, Lamar. Well, this has been awesome. I can't thank you enough for just being on here and and being vulnerable and sharing your story. And I hope that, you know, just anybody out there listening, you know, something that you said will resonate with them. And so I really appreciate it because I think dad's just, again, like you said, we're all in this together and we really are, we we do need each other. And and that's kind of the purpose of the show is just to be able to hear people's stories and encourage fathers out there that you're not in this alone and that we are kind of all doing the bear crawl through this uh, role of being a a dad. And uh, it's a crucial, crucial role. You know, some of the stats that I, I shared at the beginning of the show, dads are important. Dads are needed. But I can't thank you enough, guys. And so, you know, again, Lamar, or just being the dad that you are uh, to those precious girls. I've had the honor of <laughs> to know them. And uh, they're awesome. But also, too, just with all that you're doing and being a husband, too, to, to sweet Asia. So continue to to do the good things. And, and everybody out there, make sure that you go check out Divine Dynasty K9. Do you want to throw oh, out? thank you. Do you want to throw out your, like your website or? Oh, yes. You guys, you guys can find us at DivineDynastyK9.com or you can find us on Facebook at Divine Dynasty K9. Yeah. So folks out there listening, um, uh, anything dog related, reach out to Lamar and Aisha. They will, they will take care of your most prized possessions uh, other, than your, other than your children. So, um, but hey, Lamar, thanks again. Uh, really appreciate this. And I've, uh, it's been awesome. Thanks, Lamar. We hope you enjoy this latest episode of Bear Crawl with Dads. From our brother, C.S. Lewis, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending.